Welcome to the Modern Lawyer Podcast. My name is Anu Nupadier, and thanks for joining us. So often in the legal tech world and in the legal industry, we view the United States as a legal market that is separate and distinct. And I think it's really important for us to take into account what is happening in the legal tech landscape in different countries as well, because we see the same trends in countries like Brazil as we do in countries like the United States. And we see how they approach legal technology in better and sometimes worse ways than we do in the United States. So we're going to hear interviews today from three Brazilian attorneys, technologists, and startup co-founders. The first one we're going to talk to is a fellow by the name of Bruno Barada. I had the privilege of meeting Bruno in Sao Paulo, uh, but we communicated uh, before that because he we share an interest in, in legal technology and the legal industry. Bruno is someone who is very forward-looking in the Brazilian legal technology landscape. He's a partner at a law firm in Rio de Janeiro, and he's a member of the International Bar Association. In his role in the International Bar Association, he's also a member of the President's Task Force on the Future of Legal Services. His specialty is, of course... Brazilian law, where Brazilian law is going, how Brazilian attorneys can better use AI and other types of cutting-edge technologies in the practice of law to better represent their customers, their clients, and the legal industry from an economic perspective in Brazil. Brazil has um, one of the largest per capita concentrations of attorneys in the world. And that has a lot of economic implications for work that they could do to represent their their clients, but also for the fact that a lot of Brazilian attorneys aren't currently working or they're working in alternative fields. Bruno, big thank you for joining us on the Modern Lawyer podcast today. I really appreciate you attending this from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Well, thank you very much for the opportunity to speak a little bit about the Brazilian reality. And Bruno, I think a lot of our podcast listeners are going to be asking the question at this point, what explains the explosion in legal technology in Brazil and what is causing the newfound interest in cutting edge legal technology today? I think it's uh, important to speak initially about the numbers of Brazil regarding the legal legal market. So, for example, just for you to have an idea, we are a country with one million lawyers. 100 million lawsuits in a legal market of $15 billion. So the country has more than 1,200 law schools. That is more than the, the entire rest of the planet. So Brazil has been following the transformations of the world and the implementation of new technologies in the legal market, which is a natural process for us. But in this sense, some transformations that I highlight in Brazil is the beginning of the electronic lawsuits, for example, that started some years ago and changed the lots our daily work. So the lawyer needs to, to go to the court of justice to check the lawsuit, to check the progress of a lawsuit, for example, and now he can do this using this computer. 
So when I was a law trainee, for example, I, I would spend more time outside the law firm than inside. Nowadays, this is completely different. So nowadays, we have a law trainee working almost inside the law firm and sometimes going outside, sometimes going to a court of justice or to another public authority, another public organism to check some issue of his, of his law firm. The new technological uh, scenario of Brazil was a nice environment uh, to the creation of the LaTeX. So that's why LaTeX appeared uh, with the electronic process and this whole change of transformations outside the country that we are now facing inside the country. And this is an exponential growth, you know. The LaTeX are offering for us uh, more and more solutions each day to optimize the work of the lawyers. And unlike the United States, I think Brazil is in a unique place because it seems like a lot of government institutions, including the courts, are also leading the way with respect to adoption of technology. In fact, before we started this recording, you mentioned that the Brazilian Supreme Court in a very recent ruling is adopting artificial intelligence in the way that it does its work. I think that would be an unheard of phenomenon in the United States. So let me ask you, how is the Brazilian Supreme Court using AI and uh, what are the implications of that for the Brazilian legal industry and Brazilian law practice? Uh, well, this was very new information that we saw just a few days ago. And what, 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 how is it going to be? So the Supreme Court created an artificial intelligence solution called Victor. So they give the name of Victor to this, this solution, and it's a solution created by the, the courts and by the University of Brasilia, the public university. It's called UNB, UNB. This solution is going to identify if, if, a, if a, a new lawsuit that is issued uh, at the Supreme Court is, can, be, can, be, can, be, can go on or not. So nowadays, we need to have a public server to check the information, to read the lawsuit, and to send it to, to, to the justice. So he can check if the lawsuit is applied or not to progress at the Supreme Court. And now with this solution, the computer is going to do this job. So it's going to, to make much faster the time that a lawsuit spend, spends in the, at the Supreme Court. And for the lawyers, this is, I think this is great because we know that in Brazil, some lawsuits takes 10 or 20 years till the end, until the last to the last instance. So for, for us, this is just a very good, a very, very good information. Yeah, that's really a remarkable development. Another remarkable development that we actually spoke about when we met in Sao Paulo is this seemingly rapid shift in Brazil, led by the Supreme Court of Brazil, from a, a pure civil law system, a pure code-based system, to a kind of a hybrid civil law, common law system. That is a common law system based in some part on precedent. What explains this shift in Brazil from pure civil law to a mix between civil and common law? And what effects do you think it will have on the Brazilian legal industry? Uh, well, uh, Brazil was always adopted of the civil law system uh, based on the Roman law. So we learned at the law school, so I learned at the law school uh, that Brazil was an adopted of civil law. So, but now since 2004, something happened in the in the federal constitution with the amendment 45. We have the addition of this amendment, and this constitutional amendment gave to certain decisions of the of the Supreme Court binding effectiveness, which means 
that the law courts of justice need to follow those decisions. And it is important to, to emphasize that this binding effectiveness occurs in lawsuits in which the constitutionality of a federal or state law is discussed. It's been discussed. So in other cases, when the same decision is repeated several times, the Supreme Court may issue a binding decision to all public authorities. And we have two examples of it. For example, the nepotism and the use of handcuffs only in cases of resistance. So all the public authorities must follow this decision of the Supreme Court. It's not only the lower courts. So for this reason, the Supreme Court decisions have been increasingly uh, 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 have been increasingly prominent in a wide range of areas, such as same-sex marriage, nepotism, as I already said, uh, same-sex research too. And uh, it can be said that Brazil has left the civil law system and has joined the mixed or hybrid system. Since some aspects of the common law are very present today in our current legal system. That, that's a fascinating development. I want to transition to some work that you're doing. And one of the things that you're doing is in your capacity as a member on the President's Task Force on the future of legal services. And that's through the IBA, the International Bar Association. And I want to read you a description of this committee because I think because I think it it harmonizes so well with what we are trying to examine on this podcast. The legal profession is in a period of profound change, the pace of which is intensifying. Change on this scale can be both threatening and challenging, but change can also make way for new opportunities. The IBA Task Force on the Future of Legal Services was formed to address critical issues arising from change and make a tangible and meaningful contribution to help our profession transition through this period. So what work are you doing on this task force? And specifically, what projects are you currently working on in Brazil to move forward the practice of law? Well, first of all, speaking about the ABA the task force, this is a task force created uh, last year by the current president, uh, Martin Solch. This task force is, is led by the current secretary general, uh, James Klotz. He's a lawyer from Canada. And this group has about 20 lawyers from all over the world, not only lawyers, but also specialists. So we have very nice list of more than 40 specialists including law professors, including presidents of, of law techs worldwide, and so on. The main idea of this task force is to, is to really study what is going to, to not as, what, what is going to change, but what is changing right now, because I always say that the future is not the future, but the future is, is currently the present. So we are now facing the changes. So the IBA thought that creating a task force on the future of legal services would be good since we are the global voice of the legal profession. It's the large uh, international association of lawyers, and not only lawyers, but also bar associations. So we have more than 100 bar associations affiliated to the association. So this is a nice group and a big group with different kinds of realities and with different kinds of thoughts and different kinds of areas of law. So that's why the IBA decided to create this task force. And we just finished the phase one. And what is the phase one? Is to identify inside our group the most important drives of change. So for the drives of change uh, we chose in a range of 10, we decided to split this group of 50 lawyers in some, in some smaller groups. And I'm part of the group of technology. My duty uh, now in this task force 
is to help my small group, my subgroup, to seek about what is going to change regarding technology. Our group specifically is going now to, to speak to the legal markets and to the bar associations and to people who is changing the legal profession in terms of technology. So what is going to, what is happening right now? What are the solutions? What the impact? And also regarding ethics, for example. So we are also discussing about ethics, about insurance, for example, and some AI solution that makes something wrong. So we are discussing everything that could be ha- could happen in the use of technology. So this is very interesting to discuss all kinds of, of different points. So now we are going to start the phase two. And the phase two is where we are going to, as I said, we're going to discuss with specialists what is going to change. And we're going to make a survey to send to the bar associations as well. So the lawyers worldwide can, can help us give you some, some information. And Bruno, from your vantage point, as someone who thinks a lot about the future of the legal industry, right? Global legal industry, not just Brazil. What do you think is the future of legal technology? Just so we could kind of limit the question to a reasonable geography. And since you're a specialist of the Brazilian legal ecosystem, what do you think the future is of legal technology in in Brazil in particular? Brazil is, is and, and also uh, the entire world, we are facing the future. So the future is right now. So when you have an, an artificial intelligence solution that, that can help us doing a work that we, we don't need to do anymore, this is very important. So we can dedicate to other kinds of work and then on our intellectual side. So artificial intelligence is a daily reality of the legal profession. Uh, of course, it is still subject of discussions about ethics and the need to of imposing some limits. Uh, but on the other hand, we are seeing lawyers from all over the world and, and Brazil participating in courses about electronic lawsuits. So in Brazil, this is a very important thing because the bar associations are, are helping the lawyers to be updated to, to, to new technologies like the electronic process, for example, because we have some lawyers that had no, no idea to use a computer to, to deal with the machine, for example. And the Brazil, the Brazilian Bar Association is helping them, teaching them how to use, how to access the electronic lawsuits so they can work in a normal way. But I also like to mention that the courts are changing. So the impact is not only on the legal profession. So technology is also affecting the courts. As, as we said, the Supreme Court created an artificial and an AI solution called Victor that's going to make a research. Besides of, uh, despite the fact of the civil servants doing now, but now Victor is going to replace it. Some courts are also discussing the implementation of ODR, the online dispute resolutions, especially regarding mediation. We are seeing some courts are discussing this right now, and maybe this going in the near future, we are going to have some some online systems that are going to, to, to make mediation. And of course, the importance of lawyers in this stage, in this in this process is also important. So I think lawyers can help even if it's an online system. So I believe the implementation of new technologies will allow the lawyer to dedicate himself to the intellectual and decision-making activities, especially with the clients, that, that the machine does not do it. So, And the machines could make the assistance work. But yet, Bruno, is there any fear that you can detect in Brazil that these AIs like Victor or other types of technology will reduce the number of legal jobs and how are, are, to the extent that that fear is palpable in Brazil, how are people responding? Well, indeed we have the fear. Some lawyers indeed fear the possibility of being replaced 
let's speak it clearly, being replaced by lawyers. But I think this is more like a lack of information than the reality. So what we need to do in Brazil, it's a big number of events, a big number of interviews and, you know, coming, uh, inviting people to explain that what is going to happen, because it's difficult to fight against technology, you know. And of course, technology is coming to help us. I also agree that we need to study how to implement technologies, but not violating ethical issues, for example. And the Brazilian bar is very, very observating this, this kind of thing. So ethics is very important for the legal profession and for the all other professions, of course. We need to know that the technology is coming to assist the lawyer, not to replace the lawyer. That's why I said that intellectual work, a machine cannot do, but the machine can help us on research, for example. And, you know, research is a, is a more like, like a physical effort than intellectual effort. So we can use a machine to have more time to do what is really important in our profession, especially doing clients. And Bruno, that is exactly what we discuss when we're talking about, talking about how the robots are not taking your jobs they're just making the job that you least want to do easier, and they're allowing you to focus on the work that you and your client both want to do, which is, as you mentioned, the intellectual tasks. What are some of the most encouraging trends that you're seeing in the Brazilian legal technology ecosystem right now? Well, we're seeing a lot of new technologies. We have a nice conference in Sao Paulo with that, and we're seeing a lot of different law techs giving a lot of, of new technologies. For example, legal research, for example, some AI solutions that can make a full calendar of your work. So, you know, there are more than 100 law techs in Brazil right now. This is an exponential growth. It's amazing. So we need also to study what new solutions we have to help us because it's a great number of people doing great work here. I can say that Brazil is one of the most important ecosystems uh, regarding legal tech now because, we, you know, we, we are a third world country, so we are an emerging economy, and technology needs to come to help us more and more. Of course, observing ethical issues, observing that it's not going to replace uh, anyone, but it's going to help us. That's the, that's the most important thing we need to we need to spread among the legal professions. So that's why I also thank you for the opportunity of speaking so and that you can make more and more uh, interviews like that with some Brazilian lawyers and specialists as well. And you're absolutely right. I was shocked and very impressed by the scope of the Brazilian legal tech ecosystem when I had the opportunity to visit. Bruno, thank you again for, for joining us and I hope to speak with you again soon. Now we're going to hear from Evie Marquez, a partner at Felsberg Associates and one of the earliest to the legal technology investment and thought leadership scene in Brazil. My name is Evie Marquez. I'm an M&A and corporate partner uh, at Felsberg Advogados, which is one of the Brazilian major law firms. I'm also a professor of M&A and corporate law at Fundação Getúlio Vargas. I think my first contact with legal technology was back in 2009 when I lived in London for two years. And then I got the chance to read the books of Richard Susskind and actually to work in a London-based law firm, which at that time was actually winning a lot of prizes of an innovative law firm. So back to that period, I started reading more and more on legal technology. When I get back to the firm in 2011, I started talking about 
using robots and everything here in Brazil. I think that was pretty early, to be honest. But I'm very happy that now we have the chance to talk about this more and more here in Brazil and to talk to you guys as well. And to what extent, Evie, do you incorporate legal technology and the future of law in your curriculum for the classes that you teach? And how often are students interested in that? They are actually starting to be more and more interested. I always talk about that with them. One of my students actually He works for uh, HP, and he called me two weeks ago saying that he has a a huge project now in the company from the legal department to reveal the way they use technology in their company. And actually, he was a student of mine in 2016. He was saying that back then, I was actually talking about legal technology in our M&A class. What I do now is always trying to explain to them how I think it's going to be the future of the M&A, you know, so right. from, for example, due diligence and drafting documents and negotiation and the post-closing, how this will be dealt with by using technology. So that's the way I try to do more and more. Evie, when I recently had the opportunity to visit Sao Paulo and speak at the Startsea conference, I was impressed and and surprised by how advanced the legal technology community and ecosystem was in Brazil. I understand that there's been a massive explosion in legal technology in Brazil, in interest, in number of companies that have come out, in what the Supreme Court is spending time and attention on and what companies are spending time and attention on. What do you think explains this explosion in legal tech in Brazil that has happened fairly recently, like in the last five to eight years? I think that actually would be even, you know, maybe the two years, to be honest. As I told you, I've been following up this for a long period in Brazil, but the booming was probably last year, okay, with a number of companies becoming members of the Association of Legal Tech, and actually many other companies being created and a lot of early stage startups and even investment ecosystem as well starting to be created and people started to be interested in investing in startups and legal tech. I think there are some reasons that probably were the same reasons you have in the U.S. and in the U.K., which is the reduction of cost and actually the pressure, you know, to clients to have not only reduced prices, but also they demand for something to be more efficient, for something to be like faster, and for that to cost less as well. So I usually say they are requesting that part of our, our work, it's done as an industry, not as, you know, a really tailor-made contract or tailor-made memorandum. So if they expect more velocity, they expect reduced costs, and actually something very straightforward. So I think that pressure from clients, for sure, helped for this to to happen. And actually, of course, the existence of entrepreneurs and people that actually are looking at that as an opportunity. They are seeing this as something that could disrupt the legal environment in Brazil, and they are taking the opportunity, I think. Evie, to what extent have you felt the pressure from your clients to, as you mentioned, kind of automate out certain things and increase the velocity in the types of work that you do that is not necessarily tailor-made? I've been practicing for 15 years 
it's very clear the way we practice, practice changes. I remember that uh, we used to charge for memorandums or information 10 years ago that are nowadays we cannot charge anymore. You know, clients, they do not accept. They do have access to some part of that information on the internet. So they don't want that memorandum anymore. They really want that straightforward answer to their questions. So this is very clear to me, you know. I remember when I started practicing, the rule would be billable hours. And now the rule is actually not having billable hours. And that was in 15 years. So I expect for this to change even more with the use of technology. Evie, we originally met here in San Francisco a few months ago. And you were on, if I'm not mistaken, a trip sponsored by a group or actually organized by a group to Silicon Valley in San Francisco to learn about how technology companies operate here in Silicon Valley. I was very impressed by that. I was impressed by the curiosity of the 35 or so folks that that came over from Brazil to learn about how we do things here. My question to you is, what do you think the Brazilian legal tech ecosystem can learn from Silicon Valley? And also, what do you think you can teach us here in Silicon Valley about how we could improve how we do our work? I heard from uh, some companies in the Silicon Valley that they have been changing the, the legal department to have somebody as a legal operator. So you do not really need the general counsel to be actually a lawyer, you know, or some, somebody that is going to be organizing the whole department and, and, and actually making sure everybody's doing like the job proper, you know, to, uh, for them to be doing. This is something that is different because we always have a lawyer coordinating the legal department here in Brazil. Right. So this is something that we heard. And I think for sure they will require a business uh, person organizing the department. They would probably see a lot of flaws, you know, and things that could be enhanced in the organization of the department and, of course, a lot of use of technology to become the department more efficient. So this is something that I heard back in the in the Silicon Valley that was great. I think this is going to happen in Brazil as well. I've heard on uh, startups that it started to using that model here in Brazil. The other thing is the way, you know, uh, startup legal techs are invested in the U.S. You do have certain venture capital funds experts in legal facts or actually that are willing to invest in that sector. This is something that we, we don't have nowadays in Brazil, but I think that's important because we need people to that really understand and see the opportunities of the market to, to be investing. So this is something interesting. From our side, I think, I mean, Brazilians are very creative, <laughs> so you probably will be some products coming being created in Brazil that are designed to our problems here, but maybe they could be used back in the U.S. as well, although we do have different legal systems. I don't know why. I, I think maybe, as you saw here in Brazil, because you came to, to Brazil for the Startup Conference, there were a lot of Brazilians, more than 2,000 lawyers, interested in the topic. So I think this is something that I don't know if it's common in other countries. I've heard from other foreigners that that's not common. So we're probably going to see more and more lawyers, legal departments and law firms trying to see it, you know, take advantage of that, that moment. 
I have one example. For example, I was talking to a company. They were trying to see which kind of legal tax they could be hiring. And I was kind of a consultant, you know, like just sharing what I know about the legal tax ecosystem to the company. It's a big multinational company, okay? And then one of the things they have, one of the problems they have is that a Brazilian labor law is very complicated here. There are many, many rules. And they have many factories in Brazil and many managers all over Brazil. And whenever they have any doubt in respect to labor laws, they call, they used to call the lawyers here in the, in the headquarters. You ask for, you know, like the same questions as always. They did have the information online, but they never really researched it online. They were always calling the lawyers. And one of the things that I said to them, maybe you could have a, a chef boss with the most uh, frequently questioned, you know, on the chatbot, that, of course, you'll be, uh, you'll be using AI and everything for, you know, for being, like, more humanized, you know, the conversation and everything. And they liked the idea. And then we get back to talk to their lawyers, the firm that used to, you know, work for, produce all the litigation, work with all the litigation, and also with uh, other, you know, labor issues. When they talked to the firm, I was impressed because the partner of the firm said, I'm going to do that for you, for the multinational company. And they actually created a chatbot, which was launched two months ago. And actually now they're expanding to have like corporate information, so to see the legal authorized signatories and all these questions that everybody calls the legal department to clarify their doubts, they are trying to include everything in the chatbot. And actually, this is not something developed by one of the law firms that actually works for the multinational company. And they started, you know, a different company for creating the chatbot. So this is something that I, I think is very interesting here in Brazil, you know, the way you see, like, lawyers looking at that as, as an opportunity. Even if, you know, you are a lawyer, you have a law firm, but you still want to take the advantage and create something else for your clients. That's an incredible example. And we are spending a lot of time thinking about chatbots here in the United States. In fact, we have an episode that has already aired or maybe uh, will air very recently with a fellow named Joshua Browder, who is the founder of a company called Do Not Pay, which is a chatbot company that was started as a chatbot company to help people fight traffic tickets and parking tickets and now it is expanding to do other things as well. So I think that that space and that example is, is very interesting. I have one last question for you, Evie, and I, I really appreciate you lending your voice to this episode you know, on Brazilian legal tech. And uh, my last question is, what is the future of legal technology in Brazil? I know it's just gotten hot over the last year or two, as you just mentioned, but where do you think it'll be in, in 10 years from your perspective as a partner at a large law firm in Brazil? Yeah, my opinion is that it's got, that's going to change the whole scenario. You know, I think law firms, they have to reinvent themselves. They'll probably have to work together. Like probably we're going to have something like in the U.S. or in the U.K. of merger, you know, a lot of mergers, uh, law firms in Brazil for them together to be able to invest in technology and have the, you know, in a way, have the, a way of trying to reduce costs of investing because 
we do have technology right now able to do everything that we think of, but actually it, it takes a while for actually implementing everything and it costs because it needs people for doing that. Teaching AI, for example, the, the chatbot example that I just told you, uh, it, it's a lot of work. They were telling me how hard it has been for them to, to launch the product. So it, it's going to cost. And uh, law firms will have to join efforts, I think, and work together or even merging to have enough resources to, to do that. There will be a lot of legal facts doing work for directly to, I think, you know, to the consumers, the end users, so B2C businesses, a lot of B2B businesses as well. Of course, the B2C business will have to challenge the regulation we have in Brazil the, uh, from the Bar Association, but I guess some of the, the, the products they are doing, they are going to be launched anyway, you know, and uh, at the end of the day, in 10 years, they are going to prevail. Most of the business, most of the legal tech, probably they're going to be creating something for legal departments and for law firms, and uh, for lawyers, actually, not only law firms. So I, I do see a lot of sole practitioners or, like, small law firms with the power to do things that are, they, they are not, they are not right now. So in a way, it would be a democratization, you know, of the access to, to rendering better law services. So I see that happening as well. But again, 10 years, it seems very close, but actually for, for technology, we know so many things may happen in 10 years. So I would say that this, that I told you for sure will happen, but most, probably many other things will also happen and many other technologies will be developed to help us on the day-to-day activities and to change the legal business. Evie, I really appreciate your voice on, on this issue. Thank you for joining us on the Modern Lawyer Podcast. Thank you so much, Anand. The last person you're going to hear from today is a person by the name of Bruno Feichelson, who is one of the most energetic people I've ever met in my life. And he is the CEO and founder of a company called SemProcesso, a internet dispute resolution company in Brazil. There's been a proliferation of similar such companies since a key ruling by the Brazilian Supreme Court, which allowed finally for dispute resolution to be conducted online. We're just starting to see that come up in our own country here in the U.S. We see some foreshadowing and forecasts of where we might go in this country when we study the legal tech environments in Brazil. And I think online dispute resolution, ODR, is uh, something that we may see very shortly in the United States. And Bruno is a thought leader in that space and someone who is a startup builder and a legal technologist. Okay, my name is Bruno. I'm the CEO of Sem Processo. Sem Processo, it's a law tech from Brazil. We do OTR, online dispute resolution, and this is a big trouble, a big problem in Brazil. Uh, Brazil, we have a hundred million lawsuits. I don't know if in another country we have numbers like this. In Brazil, we have 1 million lawyers and we spend 1.3 of our GDP with lawsuits. So this is a big problem in Brazil. And same process, it's a platform that we connect the lawyers with the company trying to negotiate and make the resolution in online in order to make the, the things different than they are doing now. It's a big 
problem in Brazil. We are very happy to, to help our ecosystem. And we have about two years from our foundation. And now we are living a good moment because a lot of companies are looking for us, are searching. And so we, we are helping everybody with the lawsuits and negotiation. And Bruno, this is an exceptionally busy time for you and your company. And I know this because you are traveling all around Brazil, talking about online dispute resolution, talking about Semproceso. I want you to tell us why online dispute resolution is such a big deal in Brazil right now. I know there were some, there was some recent news handed down by the Supreme Court in Brazil that made it so online dispute resolution is even more important than it was just a year or two ago. Can you talk about that? Sure, sure. Yeah, this is a busy moment. It's a crazy moment, but it's a great honor to talk with you, Anand. You know, I'm a biggest fan of you. You are a famous man in Brazil. Everybody loves you. Everybody loves your speech. It's, it's a great pleasure to talk with you. So in Brazil, now we are, we are living a special moment. As I told you, in Brazil, we have one million lawyers, so we have a lot of lawyers and in this year now the things are changing in Brazil especially the mindset so as you told me in Supreme Court of Brazil they are hiring IT companies so they are using Victor is the name of the AI intelligent they are they are helping Brazilian Supreme Court so this has happened also in the market with the legal department and the law firms and in the legal justice. So everything is happening at the same moment. People are talking, are calling us, asking for a conference. So I'm going in all the parts of the Brazil. And as you know, Brazil, it's a big country. We have a lot of states, so it's difficult to talk with everybody in the same moment, but we need to do that. I have the same process, so I am the CEO, but also I am the president of AB2L, that is the Brazilian Association of Law Tech and Legal Tech. We have more than 150 law tech companies in Brazil, so there is a lot of things, a lot of technology, and we have a lot of things to do, especially in ODR, because it's impossible to imagine how a country, a poor country like Brazil, spend 1.3 of their GPR with lawsuits. It's a lot of money, and so it's easier to do that in an OGR platform. So this is the mindset. This is our PTM of our same processor. Bruno, I view you as a major connector and major leader in the legal tech ecosystem in Brazil. It seems that at every single legal tech conference, every single major achievement in Brazilian legal tech, when I see the photographs, I see you there. And so I want to ask you, what have you seen change in the Brazilian legal tech ecosystem over the last two or three years? It seems like this is a special moment for legal technology in Brazil. For sure. For sure. It's a special moment. Uh, when I started the, the uh, same process, was a big trouble talk with legal department, was impossible to have a schedule for a meeting, and now the things are completely different. Everybody wants to talk. 
Now I'm doing a big thing with the ecosystem in Brazil. We have a lot of people, important people with us doing that. And I think that the most special is the change of the mindset. The most important thing happening in Brazil now is the mindset of the legal department, also the lawyers and the law firms. Everybody now is thinking about how the tech how the law techs, how these companies could help them to do the things better in the way that's more efficient. So this is the mindset of the Brazil now. So in this moment, it's very good for us, not just for me as a Sem Processo and also as a AB2L, but for all the companies, everybody is working a lot. Now we have a lot of venture capital trying to invest and helping us to grow the company. And so we are looking for a new market in Brazil. Probably in uh, two or three years, everybody will be using technology and also the universities are changing. A lot of conferences happen in the university, all the universities in Brazil. We are trying to talk with the teachers, with the professors, because they need to change. We have one million lawyers doing law in Brazil now, and we have more than one million law students studying law in the same moment. So it's very important to change the market, changing the mindset of the law firms, the legal department, but also change the mindset of the students because these students will be the future lawyers that will be in the market in a few years. So it's a big challenge. It's, it's difficult for me. Uh, I'm spending like 20 hours per day doing that, talking with the people, growing my, my company, but this is a special moment and we need to be there and we need to help this ecosystem because when the LOTEX helps the legal department, the justice, also we help our society and Brazil needs that. We Brazil, we have a lot of bureaucracy, we have a lot of problems, we need to spend a lot of money with justice and the, the tech, it's, it's a way to help the country. Bruno, what do you view as some of the challenges to adoption of legal technology across Brazil? And I ask this both to you in your capacity as the CEO of Sem Proceso and also the leader of AB2L, the association in Brazil for law techs and legal techs. What do you think is going to be an obstacle that you must overcome in order to see the adoption in tech that you want to see? That's an interesting question. If you imagine the lawyer, the typical lawyer, when you choose law, and I know you are a lawyer also, and I'm, I am a lawyer, the most part of the lawyers, they are not the, the newest people, the people they are looking for the new and want to try something new or use like to be an early adopter or using an MVP. This is something very new for our market. But now, as I told you, the mindset are changing. So, for example, in some process, two years ago, was very difficult to find someone to be the early adopter. But now, as after change, after shows to the market that these things are happening, using OGR, we have making saving of money for the companies. It's easier for other companies, hires and and what to use the same process. I think the most difficult innovation with the legal 
system is to be the first. Is search your first client, is search your first early adopter. It's someone invest in your idea and wants to try. Because in the beginning, it's very difficult. As you know, the product, the MVP in the beginning is too ugly, nobody, nobody wants to use, but it's very important to have some, new, some first clients because they, these first clients are gonna help you to improve your product. So in the same process, we are living this moment. After our early adopter, now we have numbers, we have something to show to, to the market, and also all the market one wants to, to hire us and wants to use our solution. But we have other companies in AB2 well. We have companies that are doing some things very new and different things, so they have this challenge to find their first clients. But I'm very optimistic with the future because I'm looking for markets that the head of the legal department, a partner of the big law firm, they're gonna look for the markets in the different way. So they want to be more open, they want to use like open innovation, they, they want to be open to use the, all the opportunities that technology, technology could support us. So. It's my point of view. Bruno, I have one question for you. I know you're a busy man in an exceptionally busy time for the company as ODR takes off in Brazil. But the, the last question I have for you is, what do you want to see in the Brazilian legal tech ecosystem in the next five years? What benchmarks do you want to hit? What numbers do you want to see? And what types of goals do you expect to achieve in Brazil over the next five years, both for SEM Processo, but also for the legal tech ecosystem generally? So, <laughs> hard questions, hard questions. So, we are very happy. We are looking for a five years of big transformation. I think not also, in, not just in Brazil, but in all the world. In Brazil, we are doing our big steps. We are in the beginning, but we are going fast. One thing that I told you, I think is, it's very a big challenge is to have money to invest in all this tech because as you know, it's, it's a lot of money to do big transformation. In the United States, for example, I think you, you have like $1 billion spent in five years in LaTeX. It's impossible to imagine this number in Brazil. So this is a big challenge. Also, I'm looking for using of AI I think uh, artificial intelligence will be used a lot in Brazil, not just in the private sector, not just in the legal department, in the law firms, but also in the justice. That is a thing that I'm looking and I'm talking with a lot of people in Brazil, very important people are, are, are talking about the legal justice starts to buy a lot of tech and, and try to use a lot of technology to improve the, the justice service for the population. So there is a lot of things to happen. There is another point like tax. We don't have a lot of law tax doing things in the tax and things in the compliance, but this will happen. So what we are trying to do now is create the opportunity, helping the ecosystem to create like an, an important environment to these new companies, to these early stage companies. So there is a lot of things to happen in Brazil. I know there is a lot of people that listen your your records. So 
if someone is, is listening to me now, what I'm, I'm telling to say is, came to Brazil, try to understand what's happening in Brazil, because we have big numbers, we have big market, and we have a big mindset open to innovation, and this, the things are going to happen in Brazil. So that's the point. Bruno, this has been so exciting to talk to you about this. I could feel your excitement and passion for this field in, in Brazil. And I'm a believer. Again, I want to thank you for joining me on our podcast at an exceptionally busy time for you and your company. Thank you. I'm a believer also. And we are gathered in this big challenge, in this big war to help the legal system and to use tech and change the world. Thank you. I've been very impressed by the Brazilian legal tech ecosystem's appetite to learn as much as they can from as many people as possible from the United States, from Europe, from Asia, from the rest of the world when it comes to artificial intelligence, when it comes to new technologies, as it applies to legal innovation in their own country. They seem to be set at this point to listen to as many voices as they can before they chart their own path. Thanks for listening to the Modern Lawyer Podcast. We always love hearing from you, and we highly value your feedback. Reach out to me at onin at casetext.com, tweet at us with the hashtag modernlawyer, and check us out at modernlawyerpodcast.com. We hope you join us for our next episode. Special thanks to the Case Text team, especially our producer extraordinaire, Abby Hadidian. See you soon.